Welcome to the Thousand Greens podcast. I'm your host, Love Goel. Thousand Greens is the social network for members of private golf clubs seeking camaraderie through golf. Golf anywhere, friends everywhere. Today, my guest is Ryan Heck. Ryan can only be described as a character. While wearing a flat bill hat and a t-shirt with a giant print of Tiger Woods on it, he took our interview from a Sprinter van that he was driving down the California coast on an epic golf trip. He describes himself as an executive professional, an aspiring, if not somewhat delusional, amateur golfer, a husband, and a father. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hey, love. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. Ryan, you go by Hecky. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, let's see. I'm, I'm a, a delusional golfer from Bend, Oregon. Uh, in, in addition to being a golfer, I'm also a skier and a mountain biker and a outdoors person in general. Um, wife and a kid and a dog and and we just we love being in Bend because we get all four seasons and and uh, get to do the things we love to do uh, and and still get to work most of the time what gets you out of bed these days you know I I, I wake up every morning at, at 4 30 in the morning and and go to the gym and work my body um, I you know, I, I'm a very driven person, uh, and you know, it's, it's drives on multiple fronts. I, I like to be good at everything that I do. And so when, when my eyes snap open in the morning, it is, all right, let's go crush this day. Uh, and, and it could be golf. It could be work. It could be skiing, mountain biking, whatever. I'm, I'm getting up in the morning to, to go, to bed in the evening tired uh, because I've, I've led a, a full and thriving day. Tell us a little bit about golf. Uh, how did you start playing golf? One of my first memories ever is being out on a golf course with my dad. Uh, I had that big plastic club, you know, that big yellow plastic club head and a big plastic ball and um, I remember him throwing the ball out on the fairway and saying, all right, go ahead and go hit one. And, you know, it, from that moment, I was just hooked. Uh, it, I can't really describe why or what the motivation was, but, um, you know, ever since I've had a club in my hand, I've just absolutely loved the game and uh, loved the feeling when, when I connect with one. And um, these days it's, you know, it's, it, it's something that I've identified that I will never get good enough at, uh, no matter how much I practice. And, and there's there's always opportunities to get better. So it, you know, it it is uh, it's something that really helps fuel that drive uh, to be great at something. Well, uh, I think you're sandbagging a little bit. Uh, you, you mentioned before we started recording that uh, you started out as a 12 and you've got yourself down to a 1.7 in the last uh, several months and you plan on being scratched next year. How did you manage such a transformation in a golf game that quickly? Those are some of the hardest shots to get. Practice. <laughs> you know, I, when, when, I was, when I was a 12 handicap, I, I wasn't practicing that much. Um, I was really focused on my career and I had a baby and, um, and, and a few life changes happened that allowed me to be a lot closer to the golf club and spend more time there. 
Um, and, and work got to the point where I had a lot more flexibility and, and was able to, uh, focus more on golf. And it was, it's always been something that I've wanted to be good at. You know, in high school, my, my handicap was high single digits. Um, you know, I, I shot even par one time as a high school student, um, but never sniffed under par, right? Like, was a pretty casual golfer, loved it, uh, but also loved so many other things that I just couldn't focus on it. So I, I really focused more on golf in the last couple of years. Um, I, I probably spend six to nine hours a week just on the short game area at the golf club and, and working on, on chipping and putting and, you know, mid-range shots and I, we we have simulators at the club, so I spend a lot of time analyzing dispersion and um, you know making small tweaks to the golf swing to to make it a little bit more reliable. And and so you know it's starting to bear fruit. So now you're a one point seven. You're getting to scratch. Tell us what it's like to play around a golf with you these days. Oh man, uh, buckle up! All right, first tee, buckle up. Uh, at my club anyway, you know, it depends on where we're at, but my club's pretty laid back. So, uh, that's broken top club in Bend, Oregon, where we, we like to have fun out there. So I'm usually queuing up some tunes on the first tee, might be cracking a beer, depending on what time it is. It's usually five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of game. What's the best shot you've ever hit, or do you have a hole in one, or do you have several? Tell tell us a little bit about your best oh. experiences in golf. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Definitely my hole in one best shot I ever hit. It was in our member guest this past summer. Um, you know, long time coming. I'm I'm almost 40 years old, and uh, and I've been playing the game since I was three, and and I was it was about damn time. Had a seven iron in my hand from 178 downhill, a little breeze in the face. Pin was tucked up against the bunker. Couldn't even see the hole and just peered it, hit it nice and high. Uh, didn't even see it go in the cup, but, you know, we, we walked up there and, and no ball on the green, no ball in the bunker. Um, and pretty sure it was in there. My buddy Tommy, my, my guest, looked in the hole, looked up and shook his head. And we were like, what? And then he ripped the pin out of the cup and the ball came flying out and we all just started yelling. It was awesome. Tell us about a time where you've had as much fun as you've ever had playing golf. Anybody who's listening to this pod is, you know, is probably a thousand greens guy or, or gal and um, might've done a trip or two with me. And those are all just fantastically fun. Like some of the best times I've ever had on the golf course. Uh, but this, this past, this past September, my family traveled to Maui, uh, to actually to spread my dad's ashes. Um, so he, he passed away earlier this year and, and he, you know, he introduced all of us to the game. So, I, you know, I have two brothers and a sister. And, and so, uh, well, my sister doesn't really play my, plus my brothers play and they're, they're very good. Um, and so we went out to the Kapalua plantation course. And we proceeded to have the best time I've ever had on a golf course. And, you know, some of it was, was just that, you know, we were, it was with the pros and, 
Um, we were just shooting the shit and, you know, very relaxed and uh, very few cares. And, and some of it was probably the six or seven beers that we all had uh, per nine uh, that, <laughs> that none of us really drink that much. So, so that, you know, we, the, the more toasted we got, the, the more we laughed and the, the poor fourth guy that got paired up with us was just, it's like an accountant from Boston or something like just real dry and boring guy. Uh, super nice though. And, and, uh, you know, he's on his honeymoon yeah. and we're going, we're going, Hey, we're going to your hotel for dinner tonight. You got to come down. You got to come down. I'm buying you a drink. I'm buying you. If this putt goes in, drinks are on me tonight. And then the putt went in and was like, where's we'll see you tonight. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a great story. You, you mentioned your dad a couple of times. Tell, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about your dad and golf and, and sort of that connection. Oh, uh, my dad was a boss. Oh man. Um, let's see. So dad had his first kid when he was 19 years old. He grew up poor as shit, like absolutely dirt poor, you know, didn't have two nickels to rub together, had to take out student loans to go to state school in California in like the 1960s worked his butt off um ended up in working for AT&T uh rising through the executive ranks there um ended up uh you know becoming president of a telco startup and then deciding to to create his own company and so he became an entrepreneur um, he was an entrepreneur for for 20 plus years uh, brought uh the brothers into it so so the heck brothers all got involved in um, in his last entrepreneurial endeavor, um, so I you know I got to work for and with my dad and, and learn a ton from him uh, professionally, um, as you know as well as as you know being his son, getting to learn all about life from him, um, and and a big part of his life was golf, and so he shared that with me and and. Um, you know, he taught me how to play. And I think by age eight, I was already kicking his ass around the course. So, uh, you know, I was, I was no longer welcome out with him and his friends because they, you know, they they would always lose money and nobody wants to lose money to an eight or nine year old kid. Uh, you know, halfway joking about that, right. Is, uh, I was always welcome. Uh, But, you know, we, we played thousands of rounds of golf together, uh, traveled together. He was, the most influential person in my life by far. One other question I like to ask everyone about golf, because we have this conversation, uh, you know, typically in the 19th hole is there's usually some complaint about the rules or something. So if you were king for a day, what change would you make in the rules of golf, maybe related to rules, etiquette, dress code, anything? I've thought about this a lot. And, you know, there's, there's some like really weird, obscure rules out there that are just like, like really come on. Like, you know, like when, when a, when a ball's out of bounds, but it's just because like somebody painted a line, like arbitrarily along. This happened to me at, at Quaker Ridge recently. Actually, it was, it was such a bummer, right? Like, um, that, that first hole down the right side. So B. I had no business being down the right side, mind you, but I could have gotten a club on it. It was still, 
like within the field of play, right? Like it wasn't in like somebody's backyard or like across the road or anything. It was just, it, it was in some scrub brush that I totally could have pitched out of, but you know, the line was where it was and, uh, <laughs> and it cost me. I still, uh, still, still took a bunch of money off the MV there, uh, at the end of the round. So that's all good. But, um, you know, I think if I were to, if I were to change a rule, it would, it would probably be like, it would be more around like how courses dictate where the boundaries of the course really are. Right. What's, what's a reasonable OB stake? But I, in general, I think the rules are there for a reason. And I think they're very well thought out over hundreds and hundreds of years. And, and they do a really good job of, of keeping the game honest and fair. All right. So let's, let's switch over to thousand greens. Um, how'd you hear about thousand greens? Google. <laughs> I, you know, I, uh, when we moved out to Bend, uh, I should say back to Bend to, to be closer to my family and, and help my, help my parents. We ended up joining the club that I grew up playing at, you know, played at in high school and, and, uh, all through my twenties as a guest. So decided to join and, um, and I was traveling a lot for work. This is pre COVID. So, you know, in traveling all the time, I really wanted to bring my clubs with me and, and continue practicing and playing. But I, I really didn't want to play resort golf. Five-hour rounds for $400 is just not appealing to me. Every time I go on a trip, I wanted a way to get out and play some cool private tracks. Um, and I saw – and so that's how I stumbled over uh, or across the – uh, this news article that Manish was quoted in and, and, and I found thousand greens to that. Um, and you know, the rest is history. And, and so why did, why specifically did you become a founder uh, club member? Oh, okay. Well, so this is a, this is a great story. Um, so I joined thousand greens and within, you know, within a month, of joining, um, I see Manish on uh, on the thread. So, old Thousand Greens had just like a uh, like a forum style threading system, and and there was like the general forum. And so Manish, I think, created a post that said, "Hey, uh, I'm going to be in Maui during these dates. If anybody wants to link up, uh, shoot me a DM." Right. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Like, you know, like this guy's engaging with his audience and, and, uh, you know, is leaning in with, with his users. That's super cool. I want to meet this guy. And, and so I, I shot him a DM, ended up going and, and playing around with golf with him at Wailea, uh, with Jonathan Wixall, who's another, uh, early thousand greens guy out of Kingsley Club. Um, he just happened to be down there. And so I, I met Manish and Jonathan on the same day, still keep in touch with Jonathan and then obviously keep in touch with Manish as well. Uh, and we, you know, we just hit it off, man. We had a great time and I eventually ended up helping him, um, set up a bunch of the partnerships 
that are on the the Thousand Greens portal, the um, you know the, the members benefits portal, and we just you know have formed a, a friendship. And so when he launched or or started socializing the Founders Club, I instantly was like, oh, I got to do this. Like like obviously see the value in Thousand Greens a hundredfold, right? I'm I'm getting so much for nothing this will support Manish in continuing to build the platform out. That's huge, right? Like, like we need to keep this thing going. Absolutely. 100% unequivocally need to keep thousand greens alive. I'm going to do whatever I possibly can uh, to help keep that dream alive. What unique experiences has thousand greens enabled for you that you would not have had otherwise? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, You know, I've, I've met, uh, so I met a handful of guys on the, on the Valley Neal trip, uh, which, which was just fantastic. That never would have been an opportunity for me without Thousand Greens, right? I don't know anybody who's a member of Valley Neal. Now I do, but I didn't before. Um, and, and so, you know, after that, I, I engaged as much as I could in the platform and, and I've ended up meeting a handful of guys like, uh, you know, JLP, are you with me? Let's go, let's go, let's go. He'll he'll know what that means. What what a gem, right? There are just so many gems of guys out there. But but JLP and I connected at one point, and and we're just like, I was like, hey, I'm going to be out in Dallas. Would love to play around of golf with you. And and he's like, yeah, man, come on out. And so we, you know, I actually ended up flying into Oklahoma City, playing with Brandon Black at Oak Tree National, right before they closed to do their remodel. Um, and it, we just we had a great time. And we drove down to Dallas and played at Merido with Frito and uh, and Walter. Um, trying to think who else? Oh, Pelzi. Jeremy Pels came out too. He drove out from Arkansas just to play golf with us. Like he saw on this thread that we're that like a handful of us were going to be playing, and he was like, "I'll come." Just raise his hand. Can I come? <laughs> and and that's like that's the beauty of this thing, man. Is that it's a community, and it is geared around fellowship, um, and and guys getting together to have a good time. Yeah, sure. Like some some of some of the people on Thousand Greens are list checkers for sure. I'm never going to turn down an opportunity to play a top 100 course. I want to go play as many as I possibly can. I'm not actively pursuing it, but if I wanted to, this would certainly help. And and that's that's another really cool thing is that you know you do get access. You get opportunities for access that no way in hell would you ever get without this community. What would you say to someone that's on the fence about joining thousand greens? Stop pussy footing around, get in there. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your taking the time to come on and appreciate your thoughts. Love. I appreciate you having me on. It was a pleasure. Can't wait till the next time.
Hey, listeners, special Easter egg for you. When Ryan and I were talking during the original interview, I cut out a story about Manish and myself during COVID. I've added that here for your listening pleasure. Enjoy. When the world shut down in March, I was going absolutely stir crazy without golf, right? Like my club was shut down for the month, at least for the month. And we had no idea whether we'd ever be able to get back out. And I called up Manish one day and I was like, hey, are you as like hard up for golf as I am right now? And he's like, yeah, dude, I haven't been able to play at all. Like I'm going nuts. And I was like, I've got a line on course it's open in sacramento do you want to drive up to sacramento from the peninsula to go play this like ten dollar muni that i hear is still open if we can get on and he's like absolutely i want to do that <laughs> it's like literally the next day at 6 a.m we both get in our cars and we drive to this little muni like in the southern part of sacramento that i used to play when i was in law school and like we're out there having an absolute blast on just like, you know, like, Oh my God, we're outside. Look how big outside is. <laughs> <You know? laughs>